Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for week four of our Lenten series, Knowing You, Jesus. This week, we're going to look at how the Messiah is the Good Shepherd, as presented in Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Before we get started, I'd like to ask you a riddle. What do a house of bread, special sheep, and doting shepherds have to do with Easter? Even more, what do they have to do with you? It is in these three things that we learn more about the nature of Jesus Christ. In the beginning of this passage, it starts off with this rude awakening for the Israelites. It's, it's depressing, it's harsh. The prophet Micah was warning them of an impending attack against them. But verse 2 brings the Israelites some desperate hope. He says, Out of you one will come, one that will rule all over Israel, whose origins are from ancient times. Though they will be attacked, Micah provides them with some coming hope. This passage tells us something about this ruler. He will come from the smallest tribe of Judah, and he will also be born in Bethlehem. And we all know that this is talking specifically about Jesus. In Hebrew, Bethlehem means house of bread. We later see in scripture that Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. From a heavenly perspective, he will come as God on earth. He will do God's will and be God's ruler over all Israel and later over us. He is from ancient times. This distinction that Jesus is from ancient times shows us that Jesus is God. He has existed forever. Even before the first pages in the book of Genesis, he was there with the Spirit and God. He is Christ the Messiah. He is eternal. And just as the Israelites did, we live in a world that's filled with many gods. Many, many gods. I want you to kind of think back to Paul's journey in the book of Acts whenever he's attending the Areopagus and he passes all these statues and he finally comes to one that's marked to the unknown God. Our culture is very similar. We could literally walk anywhere and pass them on the street. But we have to admit that some of the gods that we see and even maybe claim today, they're not eternal. Some gods do claim to be eternal. Some also claim, in fact, that they're their Messiah. But this passage is very clear. The true Messiah comes from Bethlehem, from the clan of Judah, and from the line of David. And we are just like those Israelites in the passage. We live in dark times, in a world that's in desperate need of someone greater than us to save us. This scripture promises us one who is eternal. The person is God, it's Jesus Christ, the one born from the house of bread and is the bread of life. In him we will never be hungry or will never thirst again. He simply satisfies us. Jesus Christ is in fact Emmanuel. He's God with us as we're even on this podcast today. He's with you and he's with me. In a world that's full of gods that cry for our attention, we know that God is the only true God that is worthy of our time. I want you to think about what distracts you in a day or the things that you really struggle with. Maybe it could be consumerism. 
Maybe it could be gluttony. Uh, maybe it could be worry and anxiety. Uh, maybe you're distracted by uh, things in excess like extracurricular activities or sports or even living your life through your children or even over glorifying your marriage. There can be all things here that are good things, but they can be sinful and problematic if we don't keep them in check. As good as some of those things are, like our children, like marriage, none of them are eternal. None of the things we mentioned last as long as God. Honestly, everything that we can think of is fleeting. It's temporal rather than eternal and everlasting. This eternal God came with a purpose and his purpose was to be the great shepherd of his flock. And we see this in the book of Micah and it says this, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. We have to see that in Hebrew, the definition of a shepherd is someone who cares for a flock, but with focus and concern. As we see in the Gospels, it's not a hired hand. The original readers of this passage would connect a king and a shepherd. They probably would have even been thinking of King David. But Jesus Christ will lead his people, not as some authoritarian king or somebody keeping their tight-fisted rule over people, but as a loving shepherd that will carry out his duty in the strength of God. We read in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15, the account of the shepherds in the field, uh, whenever they're the ones bringing the good news of the Messiah. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in clothing and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left him and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has already told us about. Whenever we think of the scripture, we might think of Christmas, we might think of Charlie Brown, um, where Linus gets up and recites this famous line. But really, there are many that hold the fact and believe that shepherds were tasked for caring for the flock of not just sheep, but temple sheep. If that theory is true, then these weren't just your everyday run-of-the-mill sheep. These sheep were used in the temple as a sacrifice to atone for the sins of the Jewish nation. These shepherds were to be raised and protected because they were special. It was the shepherd's job to ensure that none of the sheep would be hurt or blemished, because if they're blemished, they can't be used. To ensure this, some scholars even suggest that these sheep were wrapped in swaddling clothing, 
just as Jesus Christ was wrapped in swaddling clothing. We find that Jesus is just as much as one of those sheep as he also is the shepherd. This is interesting for us to think about. So just as the shepherds watch closely over the temple sheep, Jesus Christ watches over us and protects us during this Lent season and throughout the rest of the year. We read in John chapter 10, verse 11 through 15, that Jesus is speaking with a multitude of people. And it says this in verse 11. Jesus proclaims, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not just a shepherd and does not own the sheep. So whenever he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Verse 13. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But in verse 14, this classic line here, that I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Here, Jesus is clearly establishing that he is the shepherd who will always protect his flock, no matter what. He will lay down his life for the sheep. And this happens in a few chapters later. But many believe that Jesus was simply a good man. And I want you to think of the different faiths maybe around the world. Few discount that Jesus lived and did many good works. Some would even say he even performed many miracles. But the sad reality is that fewer people accept that Jesus was the ultimate shepherd. He laid down his life for the sins of the world. Jesus Christ is, in fact, the shepherd who protected his sheep all the way to death on a cross. He is not like the hired hand who fills in for the shepherd and runs off when the wolves come. He is the shepherd who faced death for his sheep. Jesus was not merely a good person. He made the ultimate sacrifice for his sheep. He is the great shepherd who died, like this temple sheep died, to atone for the whole world. Even in our Christian church, going worlds away, we can downplay the role of Jesus Christ throughout history and in our own lives. Many Christians may profess with their mouths that they understand that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice for them and that he was the ultimate shepherd. But maybe that doesn't play out in their actions or their practice. This passage in Micah makes it really clear that the ruler to come for God's people would be the shepherd for his flock. And we, like the Israelites, are God's people. And just as the Israelites were promised a shepherd, he will shepherd us as well. So during this Lenten season, as we try to know Jesus more, we can rejoice, we can take comfort in the fact that he is our great shepherd, that he is with us no matter what, that his rod and staff take comfort and also correct us. We rejoice because the shepherd born of a virgin birth, who died and rose again, and now sits at the right hand of God, the Father, wants nothing more than for us to be in right relationship with him today. As the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes for the one, so Jesus Christ does for us. This passage today in Micah should bring us much hope. Even though we may have been attacked by enemies or what we would deem as wolves, we have an eternal God, one who is the ultimate shepherd, who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our lives. 
He freely gave of himself so that we can be in right relationship with him. If you've never known this eternal God, the shepherd who laid down his life, I invite you to find someone to talk to about this, to pray about it and leave it in God's hands. Because this shepherd is waiting for his lost sheep to return. I want you to think uh, in our time of closing, um, the story of the prodigal son, whenever the son has went off and kind of blown it all, Of course, the older brother's been there with the father the whole time, but the younger son takes his inheritance and he goes and blows it. And the father is just waiting for his son to come back, even though the son is doing things he shouldn't be, even though he contemplates eating the pig slop uh, before he finally comes home broke and totally uh, at his lowest point in his life. The father is still waiting desperately for him to come home. The reality is in the Lenten season, spending time in the desert with Jesus and thinking about where he's been and the struggles that he had, we too have a father that's waiting for us on the hilltop, waiting for us to run home to him. So I encourage you today, wherever you are, whether you're in a place of greatness, whether you're in a place of great need, whether you feel like you're rocking at the Christian life, whether you think that you're totally blowing it, I invite you to run to him today because he is the great shepherd who is good to his flock, is good to his people, and he is that only atoning sacrifice that died for us so that we can be with him. Thank you again for joining us for week four of our Lenten podcast. If you have any questions or concerns or even some prayer requests, feel free to leave them in the comment section. And again, thank you for joining us for Knowing You, Jesus, our Lenten series. Take care, everyone.